there, Graham Norton here. We've got some great stuff for you on the Graham Norton with Wake Trust podcast today. The incredible Marisha Wallace joins me in the studio for a cosy live session and to chat about her new Christmas single, Little House in the Snow. Now, get ready for a show chef, Martha. She's here in perfect time with a recipe for the best roast potatoes. And Maria McCurlin is here solving your dilemmas, some of them festive, in Graham's Guide. Here she is now. Good morning, Mr Graham Norton. I'm all right, thank you. Are you propped up in pillows surrounded by uh, bouquets of flowers and some half-eaten chocolates bathing in (laughs) in your triumph? (laughs) Yes, it would be remiss of me, Graham, not to say... Thank you so much to all the Virgin Radio listeners that came last Sunday to our spectacular live event. And also a big thank you to you. The cheque for two and a half million is in the post, Marvellous. obviously. Christmas that post is, is a bit think, slow. Chris, bit yes, slow, that's your usual yeah. fee, I believe. <laughs> but um, it was a great night and thank you, everyone. And we laughed a lot. But then at the end of the evening, Graham, there was a bit of a sex in the city moment from Carrie Bradshaw, i.e. me, where I went off, I just did all my signings and chatting to people and saying hello, and then I went off to the after-show drinks at the Delaunay and um, got there, hello, yes, I come for my party. No, no party here. What had happened was the promotional people had failed to tell me that the venue had changed. So you were all lardy daring it up, and I was searching for where my aftership party was, weighed down like a pit bull with books and bags. And... One minute you are drinking the wine, and the next you're treading the grape. That seemed to be... But I did find you in the end. Yes, no, I felt for you, though, clacking around Covent Garden in your big heels. <laughs> Hello. They all loved me a minute ago. They, they were cheering me a moment ago now look I <laughs> and I did say to the people at the Delaunay um yes my friend Graham Norton um he should be here already and they went yes we know who Graham Norton is and there's still no party <laughs> that was me told don't uh, drop but, your names here lady yeah. but then we did have a lovely uh, we did, when you got there we had a lovely drink on a, a rooftop bar in Covent Garden it was very trace sophisticated yeah, yes, but wasn't it nice to see the Virginisters, to see, uh, you know, Rosie from the kitchen and stuff, you know. You I know. know. I mean, uh, shouting out, as you did to people, to see who said, said in the questions. I mean, it was just, it's sort of like everyone came to life. All of those names that we've heard throughout the year yeah. suddenly came to life. And it was such a warm-hearted crowd. So thank you very much. I yes. mean, some of our jokes were a little bit ropey. I know. But they laughed nonetheless, Graham. Yes. Warm-hearted equals indulgent. <laughs> they were an indulgent. <laughs> Crowd. <laughs> but they had a lovely time and uh, someone's already texted in to say what a good time Caroline Quentin had. <laughs> oh yes, Caroline <laughs> letting all her secrets go. I will of course be interviewing Caroline in the new year on tour around the country about her book Gardening and she's done all the beautiful illustrations. So I think we may have to rein her in after last week's showing, Graham. Yes, because I was thinking, oh, that'll be a nice evening. Now I think that's going to be a wild evening. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll make her step away from the Prosecco, I think. (laughs) No, I would step into it, I think. Lean, lean into the Prosecco. Uh, No, and have you you had a nice week apart from uh, basking in your glory? 
Yes, it's yeah, quiet week. And I, I did watch your show. I have to say, Jack Loudon, your television show on the BBC, Jack Loudon is such a good sport because to to reveal his um, fascination and love of <laughs> service stations first and then to bring in a photograph of his Christmas village that he's made. I mean, you know, nerd has got Jack Loudon's name on it. Uh, and the Christmas Village was a sensation. If you haven't seen the programme, you must watch it just for his Christmas Village, which, which is, I think he... Which is what so he call impressive. it? Nimmington or something? Uh, no, it's called Nimlet. It's called Nimlet. <laughs> and it's, it's so impressive, his Christmas Village. And what I like about it is he, he kind of simultaneously knows it's ridiculous but also is passionate about it. And you know. proud of it, I think. Yes. Very proud of it. As right. I mean, my love for him grew, even though, you know, nerdy and very revealing of him, because <laughs> he plays this kind of hard man, doesn't he, on Slow Horses. Yeah. And um, obviously that is not a hard man to be making a Christmas village called Nimlington. Or... <laughs> <laughs> But it was How very, has your week been? It was by very the way. impressive. Uh, I've been I've been doing shows. We've been stockpiling shows. We did last night's show, and then we've recorded one for uh, New Year's Eve. A really lovely show for New Year's Eve. So uh, that'll be going. Who's out. on? Who's on? Just uh, you've tell got me. Uh, Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, Claudia Winkleman, uh, Rob Brydon, and the Mercury Prize-winning uh, Ezra Collective. They're kind of jazz. Oh, collective. That's a good lineup. I always think your husband looks a bit like Mark Ruffalo, a younger Mark Ruffalo. Lair. We have to say that. <laughs> now, now we do. Yeah. Now, now we, we do. do. Yes. Yeah. Virgin Radio. There we go. I had a bit of trouble with my buttons, Maria. A bit of trouble with my buttons. Oh, I? no. That's the first time you've had trouble with your buttons. I know. Okay. Are you ready for this one? This is quite a... Quite an odd one, this one, Graham, okay. but I'm going to read it nonetheless. Dear Graham and Maria, I belong to the generation that grew up without the internet, and hence social media wasn't around. Obviously, things have changed. I've got used to the fact that people like to film stuff with their cameras and put it online, and inevitably I find myself on other people's posts, dancing or partying, etc., of late, it's been really irritating me. I've been lacking in confidence, my parents are ill and I've got lots of worries with work. So I like to go out and dance to forget and enjoy myself. In addition, I'm very tall and skinny, which would be fine if I was surrounded by other tall and skinny people, but I'm at least a foot taller than everyone else, so I really stand out. When I do look at the posts, I dread the bad photo, the dreadful dancing. I become quite critical. In the past, I could go out and it would be night of enjoyment and then back to normal the next day with everything forgotten. Now there's a permanent record of everything being posted several times and seen by hundreds of people and I find myself trawling through posts after the event. Also, when I look up from the dance floor, I see strangers filming everything and it's annoying and it makes me uncomfortable. I'm beginning to really hate it and I'm thinking it may be better to just not go out. I'm not really sure what to do. And that is from Tina in Kent. Tina in Kent. I'm going to say to you, take a big step back from yourself for a moment and a big step back from social media. I think what's happened here, Tina, is that you're pinning your anxiety and your fears and so on onto the fact that people film events. I mean, you have to get used to it. This is what happens. And also, there's something slightly egotistical about this, Tina, in Kent. I mean, I'm not dissing your problem, but 
it's not all about you. People film their friends dancing and japing and having a laugh. And and if you happen to be in the shot, not because you're tall and skinny. I mean, listen, tall and skinny, everyone would like to be tall and skinny and it sounds like you're gorgeous. So I wouldn't worry about that. And if you are finding yourself obsessed, I get that you've got things going on, your parents are ill, you've got trouble at work, you are transferring everything onto this phobia about being in people's photographs and videos, etc. Just remember, it isn't all about you. I mean, take it as a compliment, if you like. It's a way to hone your dancing skills if you don't like the way you look. But I would also say, really stop scrolling through. looking. Look at the events in your life and find out what's happening, how you can fix it. I know it's difficult with ill parents, but it is becoming all about this situation rather than what's really happening with your life. So if you can take a week off, just take a week off from looking at posts, don't stop going out. That would be madness. But I think all you're doing is making this a bigger issue than it really should be. Graham, what do you think? Well, isn't it sad? Because one of the nice things about, you know, going out dancing, and you see people on the dance floor are just so into the music and they're loving it. And it's just kind of like, all, it's doing all sorts of things to their bodies and da 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 and, <laughs> and in your head, you have a vision of what that might look like. And you know how it feels and it feels great. And you think, oh, it probably looks great. And then, I mean, I remember it put me off dancing for years. I saw myself in a wedding video once uh, on the dance floor and I was appalled and I just thought, oh, God, that's so bad. Uh, and it, it just cripples you and makes you really kind of self-conscious. So poor old Tina, uh, that's happening to you on a weekly uh, on, a, on a weekly basis. So I, I feel for you because, you know, seeing yourself is going to make you see feel self-conscious in a way that you weren't. You were enjoying the dancing, now you're self-conscious. Um, I do wonder how wild your dancing is, Tina, if strangers are taking out their phones to film you. Uh, so may maybe you want to modify your dancing style? I don't know, you know, I don't know. If you don't want no, people to... No, don't modify. Well, if you don't, don't want people... If you don't want... If no if, one's watching, but no, just don't look at the posts afterwards. Uh, yeah, but if strangers are filming you, I feel something's going on. <laughs> Are they really on. filming Tina, though? Are they not just filming, you know, their friends that are dancing next to Tina? I mean, it sounds like, you know, Tina's got her own one-man film crew following her around. Well, it does sound like maybe her dancing is quite extraordinary, I, I would say. You know, and if she is a foot <laughs> taller than everyone else, and, you know, she's using her arms, I have a vision of, you know, those things you have outside garages uh, where they blow... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes, the dancing men with their arms flailing. Yeah, I, I think... No, no you're, gonna, you're making look... <laughs> it worse for Tina now. You're not that person, <laughs> Tina. You keep dancing. I mean, I do remember your dancing, Graham. What did you used to call it? Something like a fish. A, a fish in a tank or something. Wasn't I think that, that one of your dancing? That was when I'd modified my dancing. The dancing I'm talking about was my absolute free-form uh, contemporary dance, you know, dance on four. And, uh, yeah, it was it was bad. And uh, I remember just being really shocked by it. So, Tina, I think the thing is, uh, Maria's right. If you stop scrolling, then it's like... It's like there's roadworks outside and you've shut the window and you go, oh, isn't that lovely? And I can just get back to enjoying my dancing and I can forget about it. Because if you if you don't see it, it's like no one can see it, Tina. So it's very hard. And I know young people, you know, old people say to young people, oh, we'll just stop 
doing your social media. And it's not that simple because it's sort of, it is such a part of your life. It's part of your mm, social life. Mm. But if you can manage to just cut it down or don't click on the links, don't, you know, if you see there's a film from that club, don't look at it, Tina. Um, hopefully people will have advice for you. Uh, I think, just quickly, Graeme, the other thing that Tina could do is double down on this and, you know, make the most of the fact that you're taller than everyone else and skinny and book a studio and go and choreograph a dance to, a, you know, your favourite number and get it down really pat. And so when people are filming, they're filming because they're going, wow, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Is that terrible advice? You know, Probably. no, no. I, I'd love to hear people going, wow, look at that. Uh, that that's very empowering. That's what you call dancing, volume <laughs> 43. Dev responses, a part one. And my favourite responders today will be getting a Waitrose Dear... Delicious sticky toffee pudding. It's a delicious and joyful alternative to traditional Christmas pudding. Our deliciously sticky toffee pudding is made with dates and gingerbread spices for festive flavour. Finish with a drizzle of the unctuous toffee sauce before adding the gingerbread antlers to create a delicious centrepiece for your Christmas table. Oh, Tina, I feel for you. This is John in Steady Bridge. But I feel the real issue here is not how the camera sees you, but how you see yourself. With everything being filmed and it going on social media, it's easy to feel self-conscious. But realistically, no one watches those videos on social media and no one cares apart from you. This is about how you see yourself. If you're going to watch the videos, don't look at your body. Look at the smile on your face and remember the fun you were having and keep dancing. Hi, Tina. Please don't stop going out and dancing your heart out. It sounds like you have a lot of other tough things going on. Try and reduce looking at any social media. Come off it if you can. It may be that you could access talking therapy in your area. They could support you to manage the anxieties and stress that you're going through in all aspects of your life. Good luck with everything. Keep dancing, so says Ruth from Birmingham. John in Rochester says, Maria, but beat me to it. I suggest that Tina goes to dance classes so that should she glimpse herself on social media, she will be impressed with her strictly-fied salsas and rumbas and there will be nothing to be ashamed of. All right. And Ashley of Litchfield says, Dear Tina, quit your anxiety and buy yourself a Venetian masquerade mask for your nights out. Well, we didn't see this advice coming, did we? No. They come in ranges, including leather. My friend has a very high up and responsible job and said a mask is a game changer. Well, now, again, I think you might need another tall, skinny person, though, because otherwise... <laughs> is that Tina? Yes, it is. That is Tina. Uh, I tell you what, I'm going to give the Waitrose Deliciously Sticky Toffee Pudding to John in Staley Bridge. Graham's uh, have we a second letter, please? Yes, I do. Dear Graham and Maria, we are a gay female couple with no children. We're not working at the moment as we closed our business at the end of lockdown. We're approaching retirement, so pretty much have the money we have and are living from our savings. We've had good jobs in the past and always spoiled our nieces and nephews at Christmas and birthdays. But now we're not keen to spend as much as our income subsides and the children get older and more independent. They're all adults now, aged from 19 to 27. But their parents seem to think, as we always earned well and have a nice home, that we can continue to buy at the same amount as we used to. And they send suggestions, which are more than we are comfortable, more than we comfortably want to spend. Also, as we have no kids, this is one way. 
We still love them and spending time with them, but as they get older they have less and less to do with us, and of course we're not their priority when buying presents either. How do we approach this without confrontation, or seeming as if we don't love them as much? This will cause tension. It's also about letting our siblings know that we don't want them to let us know what we can or can't buy their children, as we have our own relationships with our nieces and nephews now they've become adults. The kids' lives are changing, and so are ours as we approach retirement. But our sisters don't seem to have noticed either of these things. And that is from June in Buckinghamshire. Oh, June in Buckinghamshire. Christmas presents is such a minefield, isn't it? And I see exactly how you feel. You know, you you were earning a lot of money and you were able to lavish. And the thing here is, June, is when they were children. Christmas is a time for children. It's all about the children, wonderment, etc., etc. They're older now. As you say, they're not as interested in youth because they're making their own lives. So it's pointless for you to get yourselves in debt or make yourselves worry about money. I think what you do is you absolutely let your siblings, who seem to be the main ones telling you what you can and can't buy, you let them know. You say, listen, our business closed after COVID. We are living off our savings now. The kids are older. Um, we're going to have to pare this down a bit. And um, we love them still. We want them to be happy and we will send them a card letting them know. I, there's no shame in saying, listen, it's not going to be as lavish as it used to be. But here's a book token. I know how you enjoyed you know, Tolkien's blah, 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 Lord of the Rings. And, uh, you know, I recommend this. Uh, you know, so you're still involved in their lives. You're still wanting them to best themselves or whatever by reading. And you let them know exactly where you where you're at. There really is no shame in saying this. And if your siblings don't like it, oh, well, they haven't bought a present this year. And, and yet they bought themselves a new car. You know, I mean, really, it's once a year and it seems to cause a lot of aggravation. Don't get involved in it, June. Live, you and your partner, live for yourselves. You love your nieces and nephews, but it's not all about money. Graham? Well, I don't know if it was left in the show, uh, the chat show last night, but Jamie Dornan on the show was saying he just finds adults buying presents for each other embarrassing and just stupid. Uh, because, yes, it was left in. Yeah, because I feel like, you know, and I, I kind of get his point. It's love, it is nice getting little presents and things, but, you know, but big, expensive presents, if you really wanted it, you'd have bought it and you could have afforded it if you hadn't uh, buy a load of stupid stuff for other people. So I, you know, part of me, June, I was thinking, like you, Marie, I was thinking, oh, you tell them, look, circumstances have changed. Da, da, da. And then I was thinking, why bought you? Know, it's none of their business. Um, you know, here, that's what I got you. No, say thank you or, you know, have a snout on. But I don't care. Uh, you know, I bought you a present. Uh, have a snout on? I, don't, I like I, that. Is that particularly Irish to have I a snout on? I don't know. As I said it, I thought, is this an expression? I'm not sure. But, uh, <laughs> but it sounded like an expression. Um, I feel, I just feel, you know, these suggestions that come through, you ignore them. That's what you do, June. You buy them what you want to buy them. You buy them what you're comfortable buying them. And uh, and if they're nicely brought up young people, they will be grateful. And they'll say, thanks a lot, Auntie June. And then that'll be the end of it. <laughs> you know. But I... she's very, you know, June is, and her partner are worried about what their siblings will say. So I do think, you, you know, Who if cares? you don't want the confrontation. 
I know, but they don't want to cause cause yeah, consternation and you know divisions in the family. So, but, but if they just say we're a bit strapped this year, so we're not doing the big lavish present. No, I'm sorry, Maria. What sort of person? What sort of person is going to go to their sister? Sorry, we weren't satisfied with the quality of gifts this year. Like you're just they won't not... do that, obviously. But there'll be a lot of snidey comments and there'll be a lot of sneering. You know what it's like, Graham. What? People say, oh, last year I got a car. This year I got a book token. Hmm. That is yeah. not nice. Well, be grateful you've got a car. <laughs> Just be very happy with a car. Yes. I, I feel oh, that I... car was meant for the next 40 um, yeah. Christmases. So, I, feel, uh... I feel like, June, if you want to explain what's gone on, uh, you know, and why you're, you're changing your gift-giving uh, policy, do. But equally, you don't owe anyone an explanation. You just you just buy some presents and you give them. And that's it. That's Christmas. And, you know, yeah. ho, 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 merry everything. So I... I know, especially as June and her partner never get any presents back. Well, that's the thing, because uh, these stupid, you know, I mean, you know, do these children, now that they're adults, have they, have they decided uh, they're going to buy things? I, w- I wonder. And it sounds like they don't. So, and also, uh, a junior partner have no kids. So, you know, it, it, it's a it's a one-way haul. The responses part two. And again, my favourite responders will be getting that Waitrose Dearlicious uh, Sticky Toffee Pudding, uh, an alternative Dearlicious centrepiece for your Christmas table. There you go. Here we go. Helen from Shropshire. We remember the family get-togethers, the happy times-togethers, the decorations, the laughs, etc., but not how many presents we got or how much they were. Don't get into debt for Christmas. Just be together and have fun. Merry Christmas to you all. Isn't Helen a nice lady? Well done, you. My advice to June is to spend what is right for her and her partner on Christmas gifts. Completely get it that as aunts to the children, you want to do your best, but don't make a song and dance about what you can and can't be afforded. Why should you justify yourselves? Any ungrateful reactions, and there will be smaller presents for that recipient next year. Happy Christmas, James and Henfield. He's got a list. <laughs> and you're on it. Get yourself off the hamster wheel. Tell your nephews and nieces that you are contributing to a charity on their behalf instead of sending a load of presents which they don't need. I mean, that is smashing the wheel. (laughs) The hamster is dead. (laughs) Uh, You don't owe your siblings an explanation. And if they're as lovely as you, they won't need one. And that's from Sarah from Melton Mowbray, home of the pie. Why has everyone lost the true meaning of Christmas? It's not about the gift. It's about family, friends, spending time together. June should say to her nieces and nephews, we are not doing presents this year, but we'd love to go out for a meal instead with you in the new year. Personally, I'd love that. Forget the siblings. Spending time together is the most important. Be strong and enjoy your retirement. So says Fiona in Huddersfield. Uh, who's going to get the Waitrose Delicious Sticky Toffee Pudding? It's James and Enfield. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Uh, it's time. We've teased you enough. They're here. Uh, Marisha Wallace. Hello, Marisha. Hi. Hello. And Toby Gad on the keyboards. Hello. Lovely to see you. Um, so, uh, Marisha, a lot of people listening, because, you know, this was months ago. You know, people have been texting and saying, oh, we went to see Guys and Dolls at the Bridge Theatre. So, uh, you know, they have seen you. Oh, they, wow. Yeah, they have seen you. Okay. So, uh, yeah, you're Miss Adelaide. How, have you been in it since the beginning? Since the very beginning, I've been in the show since uh, March. Yeah. 
March this. March this past Did year. Did it only start this year, this yeah. year March? Yeah, well, we started rehearsals in January, and then we opened in March. Yeah. Wow, so it'll be a year soon. It'll be a year. So I'm leaving February 24th, so it'll be almost a year by the time I leave. I know, it's wild. <gasps> wow. Are yeah. you going to stay uh, in the West End, or are you heading home? Well, I have loads to do here, so I'm working on my own musical. I'm doing some TV. I'm just... I'm going to sleep because <laughs> I'm doing eight shows a week. So I've been doing eight shows a week for almost a year, which is insane. Insane. So. Wow. And uh, people can check this out on the socials afterwards. Yeah. But we should say you look divine. You look like a Christmas bauble. You know, <laughs> Mariah's got some competition right now. Because I'm a full bobble right now. Yeah, and you're an Olivier Award winner. Uh, yeah, I was Olivier nominated for Oklahoma. I'm saying you won. I'm I, saying you I won. I won in uh, my head, so it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> don't contradict me, young lady. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry. You won. You won. If Grand Norris says you won, <laughs> then you won. And uh, and Toby, yes. uh, multiple Grammys. Yes. How the, many? The songs have won Grammys. Yeah. How, <laughs> many, how, how many Grammys have you got now? Um. Well, the song, uh, All of Me with John Legend, that got a Grammy. And uh, with Beyonce, If I Were a Boy, the album got a Grammy. With Kelly Clarkson, I had songs on the record that got a Grammy. And um, When you hear the songs got a Grammy, do you not get the Grammy? Well, with Beyonce, I would have had to produce more than half of the record. Then I would get the actual statue. Now i got a piece of paper to hang on the wall. But still, I feel <laughs> That's honored. That's weird. Yeah. At least wow. you don't have to dust it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that is weird. Yeah. Because you wrote the song. I know. It's wild. They can change the rules. Yeah. Justice for Toby. Justice. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> he needs a Grammy to drink out of. <laughs> uh, listen, we'll chat some more because I know you've got you've got gigs you want to talk about and, and we've got your own beautiful Christmas song coming. So how did you guys uh, meet? Oh, on Zoom. <laughs> okay. So, did someone, did, like, did people introduce you? Did people kind of go, did people talk to other people and say you must, yeah, we must work together? Well... He had a song on my first album. So I put a, an album out in 2020 in the pandemic. Um, and we had a song that he wrote on my album. And then my management said, you should meet Toby. And we met over Zoom. And we were, and we became, it was just like kismet as soon as we met. And we started writing together on wow. Zoom. We kind of figured it out with the Zoom songwriting where I was in Los Angeles and she was in London. And we would, really short Zooms, like one hour. And I would have a by my piano and she would be by her little vocal setup and talk about an idea or a feeling and then she would sing something send that to me I would play a piano send it to her send things back and forth and then in a very short time we'd have a song and yeah. thought, oh my god it that happened amazing. it was yeah. amazing we and did it every yeah. week then yeah. we made it a regular and, uh, and I know today have you got two shows at the Royal Festival Hall today Marcia? yes so we're doing the Christmas Classics show at the Royal Festival Hall we have two shows today and two shows tomorrow and we had our first show last night so this was our first time playing our song Little House in the Snow with an orchestra and this was Toby's first time actually playing with the orchestra I at all I think we all cried and so I we just the, cried the audience cried, cried too I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but so but also, you know, for people okay. who aren't from London, you know, the Royal Festival Hall is right there. When you come out, it's so Christmassy because yeah. all the Christmas markets there and the lights and the wheels all blue. Oh, and, it's stunning. Yeah. And there was like a kids' choir of about 200 kids and then an adult choir as well and then about a 70 piece orchestra. Huge orchestra. So it's giving the full Christmas feels. And then we came on at the, um, in Act Two and did a, did a set. And it's just so beautiful to hear yeah. the music you made on Zoom. <laughs> And yeah. Like with you sit in the first row and you hear the violins and the cellos and the bass and all these things, but you sit in the orchestra. It's it was such a 
overwhelming feeling to, yeah. wow. to perform yesterday. I loved it. And for you, it must be like being let off the leash. Uh, you know, being in Guys and Dolls, I'm sure, is great, yeah. good fun. But to suddenly, like, here I am. <laughs> it's all about me now. <laughs> well, you know, I do, I've done loads this week. This week has been crazy. So I did the 80th anniversary of the Rodgers and Hammerstein uh, estate. So it was like... The Avengers has assembled. The musical theater <laughs> Avengers all assembled at Royal Drury Lane. Audrey McDonald, Patrick Wilson, Daniel Day Kim, like it, it's Michael Ball. So I did that on a, a Monday and Tuesday. So and then went back to Guys and Dolls. Did three shows of Guys and Dolls, and then has been at the Christmas Classic. So it's been weird. I've been going from myself to Adelaide back to myself. <laughs> wow! But, but it's amazing. But you sound fabulous. You Thank sound you. in top-notch voice and. Uh, you know, particularly have a workout like that. That's incredible. I know. I'm a vocal athlete. And now talking of uh, Christmas songs, uh, you bring us your own Christmas song. This is yes. Little House in the Snow. And so when did you actually write this? You wrote it in lockdown. Yes, in lockdown. I think it was like 2021 that we wrote it um, because we were just writing loads of songs. And then they were like, let's do a Christmas song. Let's see what we can do with that. <laughs> This is what happens when you have a lot of time on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was saying to you beforehand, I love that the two of you in lockdown were optimistic enough <laughs> to look forward to a time when we could all be together at I Christmas. That's like, so sweet. Well, Marisha told me about her Christmas story and it really touched me and I thought we need to turn this into a song. Yeah, so um, he, Toby was like, okay, so what were your Christmases like, Marisha? And then I was like... Ooh, therapy. Because <laughs> it was a bittersweet uh, kind of Christmas story. Well, when I was little, my dad did not allow us to celebrate Christmas. So we couldn't celebrate it like everyone else. But my mom, because she was like, I'm not going to let my kids not have a Christmas. So she would um, give us the JCPenney's catalog, which would be like John Lewis, because JCPenney's yeah, yeah, very American. Yeah. be like a John Lewis catalog. And she would say, pick what you want. Like, just pick what you want. And um, she would get the presents and she would put them all in a bin bag and we would go to a secret room in the back of our house and we would have our Christmas. And I remember just being so happy that she would make this happen for us and it was like our own secret thing. So my mom was Santa Claus. <laughs> she was our, our Santa Claus. And, um, and I always think about this because everybody's not having an amazing time at Christmas. A lot of people are struggling. And we wrote this song because we wanted people to have a balm of, of kind of a healing or to be able to make a new Christmas memory. Because even in a dark time, which some people may be in right now, you still can make some Christmas magic. And that's yeah. kind of what uh, my mom did for me. So I dedicated this song to her. And I remember I played it to her and she just cried and cried. And I was like, I took your pain and I turned it into a beautiful song and um i don't think she even knew the impact that she had by continuing to you know secretly doing this behind my dad's back but you know it really made it special for us it did wow i mean it, it, it's a gorgeous story and an yeah. awful story at the same yeah, at the same it's time bittersweet because it's like mothers are incredible mothers yeah. will do whatever they can to make their children happy and that's what's happening around the world right now even ones who can't afford to have a christmas they're coming up with something they'll do whatever they can to let their kids have some christmas magic well listen, we can't wait to hear what you do next so thank you so much for coming in to see us it's been really really special and have a lovely time at the world festival hall uh, this afternoon and tonight and is it tomorrow again yes tomorrow so today two shows and tomorrow two shows so you can still get tickets go to 
to the Royal Festival Hall, southbankcenter.co.uk. Wow. So on it. There wasn't Bing. even a bit of paper in her hand. No, it's all in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you so much, guys. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. And Merry thank you very Christmas. much for, for doing it that for us. That's lovely. Make sure to check out the Virgin Radio UK YouTube channel to watch Marisha playing her live session. <gasps> What is that smell? Why, show chef Martha's here with roast potatoes. Hello, Martha. Hello, how are you? Well, I'm all about it because you snuck me in. <laughs> you snuck me in before the news, some uh, roast potatoes. They are delicious. Oh, thank you. I really didn't want them to get cold because a cold roast potato, it's... It's still delicious. It's... <laughs> I mean, I've seen you sneak a few more since they've come in 10 minutes yeah, later. No, yeah, absolutely. No. Well, that's a seal of approval if they're even good when they're a bit cold. Oh, no, a bit cold. Even cold gravy. It's all, all <laughs> delicious. It's all good. Lovely and salty. Because I think roast potatoes are one of those things that they they just add to the stress on Christmas Day. They do. I'm a firm believer that you should plan your Christmas meal around when the potatoes are going to be ready rather than anything else. Okay. Because things like a turkey, that can rest. It can honestly rest for about three hours if it needs to and still be hot and delicious. Everything else can be pre-prepped in advance, but potatoes, as soon as they are ready, you don't want to be leaving them on the side whilst you're trying to do your stuffing and everything else. I mean, no disrespect to the place where... the TV show, we had our office kind of Christmas lunch yesterday. Oh, very nice. And there were big bowls of roast potatoes. It might have been a rockery. Oh, I mean, they no. were just, they were so, like, they looked, you know, they'd gone for crispy to a fault. They, they really were, you could have broken windows with them. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. That's what happens when they get too cold, when they start to kind of, you want them when they're hot and that skin is almost like glassy and crispy and crackly. And as soon as, even if they've sat for 20 minutes, they won't be as nice. So I think plan it around your potatoes. So when your potatoes are ready, that's when everything else should be ready. Now, here's the thing. Uh, you, this is a bold claim. Uh, Martha Collison says this is the best, <laughs> the best roast potato recipe in the world. Because what are the variables? Are the variables just the, the, what fat you use? There was a lot of variables here. I remember I wrote this recipe back in kind of August, <laughs> September. Mm, lovely. <laughs> Surrounded like a mad potato woman, honestly. I went to Waitrose and I bought every variety of potato that Waitrose sell because I wanted to test them all to find the one that makes the very best roast potato. Wow. So I literally lugged them home. <laughs> Six my, bags of potatoes. My husband laughs at us. We're such an Irish family. We literally talk about, uh, you know, t- different types of potatoes at the time. <laughs> What are these? These Maris Pipers? <laughs> the Care Pinks? <laughs> exactly. So there's so there's so many different kinds, and they did all have slightly different results. They all make a good roast potato. None of them were like, oh my goodness, that's a horrible potato. Yeah. But some of them just have characteristics that makes them better for absorbing the fat and staying yeah. nice and fluffy in the middle, which is how yeah, I. Like and my some potatoes. are better for mashing. And some are, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Picking exactly. the right potato and then picking the right fat. Uh, Martha, take it away. No pressure. So, first of all, <laughs> hot oven, 220 degrees. Ooh, Get toasty. it nice and hot. So, ideally, your turkey's ready, you've taken it out, then you crank your oven up to 220, and then this can go in. And you can also put, if you've got cauliflower cheese or pigs in blankets, they can go at the bottom of the oven and they'll be fine as well. So, potatoes are the priority. So, they're going in the middle, in the hottest part of the oven. They're going to be having a lovely time. So, then we want to take our potatoes of choice. So, drum roll, the potatoes that won were the King Edward potato. Okay. <laughs> a British classic. Lovely. I was kind of hoping that some like really niche individual kind of uh, kind of unexpected potato was going to win, but it was just 
a good old bog standard. King Edward is perfectly fluffy, has just the right level of starch to hold itself together and not fall apart when you're doing parboiling and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, to yeah. create a nice crackly crust. So those are the ones that you want. Okay, great. So we've got our King Edwards. Uh, now we peel them. We peel them, we chop them, try and get them all a very similar size so that the potatoes are going to cook at the same rate in the oven. Smart thinking, Batman. And then you want to put them into a pan of water, cold water, just for five minutes so some of the starch can start to come out of the potato. Then you want to pour away that water and then top it up again with more cold. So it's only five minutes. It's not a long soak, but it does make a difference. I've, I, you've, you've changed my life. <laughs> Already? I, I've, never, I've, never done that, I've never done that in my life. I think <laughs> my mother used to do that and I always wondered what she was doing. Yeah, it's just that it gets very starchy and then it starts to become a bit gluey and then the potatoes don't get as crispy with the oil. So pour away the water. Yeah. And then when you've filled up with new cold water, we're adding two teaspoons of table salt, just your regular bog standard salt, and then four cloves of garlic still in their skin. So the garlic goes into the water. So our potatoes are going to be flavoured from the inside out rather than just on the outside. You are rocking people's world right now. <laughs> I'm glad I spent a very long time with my potatoes in August. <laughs> so, okay. So, you've got all of that. Then you want to bring it to the boil as soon as your water is boiling. Six minutes. So set your timer. Six minutes. Very specific, I know. Thank you, doctor. But too long, and they'll start to fall apart and you'll have mash. Yeah. And not long enough, and then they won't start to kind of get that nice outside edge that we want to be a bit fluffy. Then drain them into a colander, and then leave them just for five minutes to steam dry a little bit so that the outside starts to become dry and not watery. Can I leave them for longer than five minutes? You can leave them a bit longer than five minutes, yeah. I mean, I know that you don't want them to go grey. No, but, <laughs> grey potato. But, but, you, but you can, because I'm just thinking, oh, I'll be a bit, if I could get that out of the way. Yes. That'd be quite good. Yeah, if you want to get this out of the way, you want to then coat them in some fat and then chill them. That works all right. Oh, okay. But it's best if you just leave them for a cup, five, 10, 15 minutes until they're a little bit drier on the outside. Some of the water's evaporated. Then I'm taking my fat of choice. So I tried this with goose fat, duck fat, olive oil, different kinds of oil and butter. And the best one was goose fat. Gave the nicest flavour, the nicest crisp, but closely followed by olive oil. So, oh, is that interesting? Pick okay. One of the, I would say one of those two, and your jobs are good. And so, you want to take your fat, put it into the saucepan that you boiled the potatoes in, get it nice and hot, then the potatoes back into the saucepan, coat them in all of that fat, put the lid on, and give it a really good shake. Yeah. My mum makes really good potatoes, and she always does this. She gets, <laughs> she's shaking those potatoes. Yeah. So they all kind of chuff up against each other and it just creates more surface area. So once they're nicely coated, we stick them into a roasting tin. Then they go into the oven for 45 to 50 minutes. It's a nice, long and slow bake, but very high temperature. So 220 for 50 minutes. Yeah. It sounds like you think, oh, they're going to be they're going to be too, too done. Yeah. But they will be all right. <laughs> and uh, tell me this. Uh, did you try the semolina thing? I did try a little bit of semolina. That is nice. It's a nice little addition. But I was trying to kind of... I've put in so many other little bits and tips. I thought, yeah. let's just keep it achievable. Don't want people to go, that's one step too far. Oh, yeah, I'm with you. I've, n I've never done it. I just wondered if it was worth doing. The answer is no. It's, it's, it, it creates a slightly different texture, which some people love. But if you're looking for the classic roasty, I say this is the way to go. And then I finish them off with oh, yes. a little bit of herb salt. So I've taken... A little bit of rosemary, a little bit of thyme, a little bit of sage. You can use any herbs you want. Put them, finely chop them or put them in a mini food processor and the zest of one clementine and then add flaky sea salt and mix it all together. And you get this lovely infused salt that you can then sprinkle over the top. Once the potatoes are ready, toss them in a little bit of that flavoured salt, put them onto a big platter and then serve them straight away. 
to a round of applause, I'm imagining. <laughs> yes. Uh, delicious. They are so fluffy inside. That's amazing they were in there for 50 minutes. I know, a long time. But these are, I guess if you've cut them small, then maybe reduce it slightly. Keep an, yeah. keep an well, eye these on aren't, them. These aren't like big honking. I mean, I've, I've, I've cooked a bigger roast potato than that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, very good. Excellent. Uh, thank you so much, Martha, for the best roast potato in the recipe in the world. Uh, you can head to waitress.com slash showchef and find that recipe or do all of Martha's recipes. You could also check out their golden deliciousness on our socials at Virgin Radio UK. I'll see you uh, tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow with something sweet and Christmassy, of course. Is it a pudding? <laughs> it's a cake. Oh, <laughs> I look forward. I'll, I'll time my coffee accordingly. Thanks so much for listening today. You can catch me every Saturday and Sunday from 9.30 on Virgin Radio. Follow us on all our socials to keep up to date and make sure you check out our YouTube channel too. Just look up at Virgin Radio UK and you'll find loads of great interviews and live sessions. Until next time. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio.